Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday to you. My name is Tim Harris. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for Tim with Tim. Have I mentioned how much I appreciate you lately? Uh, Fire team guys, I love you guys. I'm so happy that you're following uh, along with us now in Second Kings. All of you who've been with me since the very beginning, uh, my goodness, you have my heart. Thank you uh, for this journey. Let's do it all the way together, all the way to the end of the Word of God. We go verse by verse, and right now we're in Second Kings. We've been in Second Kings all year, and I know some of you are feeling it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, it's certainly winding down now, and, and uh, Second Kings chapter 24 is where we are today. Uh, I find it really depressing. I just really, really do. Uh, at the same time, I'm a little bit struck by how, you know, suddenly it seems in the history of the kings, there's just no emotion anymore, you know. And, and we're talking about, in today's reading, the utter collapse of Jerusalem. We're talking about the exile. I mean, the exile. You know, second to the Exodus, one of the most pivotal events in all the Old Testament, and it's devastating, and, and it's terrible. And it just sort of goes by as if, you know, uh, as if it was inevitable, as if there are no more tears to cry. Um, anyway, let's talk about it. We're talking about after Josiah now, and Josiah is the last good king, and he was such a good king, but that, you know, revival under Josiah was not uh, lasting, and it really didn't reverse God's intention to punish the sins of the people. Uh, again, it's the people. I mean, yeah, we're reading about the kings. The kings sort of represent the people, um, and I always say that, you know, a nation gets the the king it deserves, you know, the president deserves. We always, always do. Um, and so in many, many ways, you can sort of chart the theological, you know, uh, covenant temperature of the people by by looking at the leader. Uh, and most of these leaders, most of these kings of an evil, has it not just been so rare to find a good one, you know? And so we got 22 years uh, from Josiah to the end of uh, kings in Judah, and of course there are four of those. I suppose they're all uh, all sons of Josiah. I, I think, uh, but they're all evil. Uh, they're they're all wicked. Which again just continues to raise that question for me. How does a man as good as Josiah, you know, raise you know orangutan sons who are not going to follow in the faith footsteps of the father? But at any rate, this is what happens here. Um, so again, four kings. The first is Jehoahaz, and again, he's first brought up at the, at the end of yesterday, end of chapter 23. Jehoahaz was 23 years old. He reigns only three months. He is uh, taken captive by Pharaoh Necho uh, of Egypt and, uh, and, and put in prison. The word there in the Hebrew is he's exiled. Uh, so again, it's not the exile, but it's a precursor. It's a foreshadowing of what's going to happen to all of God's people, not so much in, in Egypt, but they're going to leave the land and never return to the land uh, again. Uh, pay close attention to the mothers. Again, since uh, these are sons of Josiah, they don't all have the same mother, but sometimes they do. And I think that's interesting because, as we said, we don't really know the role of the queen mother uh, in, in, in the court, but she seems to have been a powerful person since she's always named at any rate, I just find that a, a, a little bit interesting. Jehoahaz um, is taken out by Pharaoh Necho, and then Egypt at that point installs a, a puppet king named Eliakim, uh, name changed to Jehoiakim. Jehoiakim rules in Judah, and that's sort of the end of chapter 23 into the beginning of chapter 24. Um, 
Jehoiakim reigns for, I believe it's 11 years, uh, and uh, he's mostly a puppet king. All of them are now. Now, understand, while we're focused on the people of Israel, the people of Judah here, God's people, uh, because of uh, their critical importance in salvation history, uh, the real world stage of history is hardly concerned with Judah. You know, like if you're reading history books of this time period, we're going to be reading about Assyria and Egypt, but nobody cares about, you know, Judah. And Egypt and Assyria don't really care about Judah. They just want to control the territory. Again, it's just political. They want to control the territory and they want to control the trade routes. That's all it's about. You know, they just want that ability to loot the wealth because everybody needs wealth. And they want to be able to, you know, to, to utilize the, the, the trade routes uh, in the territory. So, again, don't, don't be thinking that as far as, you know, human history goes, man, this is where it's all happening. Nobody cares about Judah at this point except us and God because this is salvation history unfolding. And that's why we care. So Jehoiakim rules in Judah. I, I love that line right there in chapter 24 where we are reading today, verse 2, where it says, uh, The Lord sent bands of Babylonian, Aramean, Moabite, Ammonite raiders against Judah to destroy it, just as the Lord had promised through his prophets, uh, through the prophets. Uh, one of the amazing things, and we're going to get to it, you all, because we're going to read all those books, but one of the amazing things, and I've done a little bit of it, not a lot, but a little bit of going over and reading, you know, uh, Jeremiah or Isaiah, the prophets who are contemporary with these kings to see what they were saying. Notice, remember I said that there's not a lot of emotion in Second Kings, and there's not. I mean, it just says right here, um, uh, you know, and, and then the Lord sent bands of Babylonian army and Moabite, you know, Ammonite raiders against Judah to destroy it. You know, these disasters happen, but, you know, I mean, these disasters, I mean, we're talking about, Jerusalem, you know, it's just devastating. The king of Egypt, you know, takes over. It's 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 terrible. And then Jehoiakim comes, and uh, and then King Nebuchadnezzar. You know, I mean, we know what who he is. We know what that means. Um, but there's just almost no emotion. But in the prophets, in Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, you know, that there, there, there is a, definitely a emotion. Before, before we leave uh, Jehoiakim, and again, talking about Jeremiah, remember there's that famous scene, and I think it's Jeremiah 36, where, I mean, Jehoiakim just hates Jeremiah. At the same time, he keeps going to Jeremiah, saying, Jeremiah, pray for me. And Jeremiah just keeps saying, dude, you are already defeated. God has purpose to defeat you, you know, so, you know, stop fighting what God is going to do. I mean, I mean, Jeremiah, you know, just continues to speak truth and Jehoiakim can't stand it. There's that great moment in, in Jeremiah chapter 36 where Jehoiakim, you know, they're reading to him the, the scroll of the prophet, you know, Jeremiah, and Jehoiakim just takes his pocket knife out and just cuts it into ribbons, throws them in the fire, you know. I mean, you know, that's, that's King Jehoiakim. I mean, these dudes are so terrible, so terrible. Uh, so it's during Jehoiakim's reign, again, chapter 24, during Jehoiakim's reign there, where um, uh, Je Je Jehoiakim's reign is when Egypt takes over, and then he's followed by Jehoiakim. And again, you got to keep those straight. Jehoiakim is 18 years old. He becomes king. He reigns for three months. So we have three months, 11 years, three months, 11 years, I believe. Uh, but Jehoiakim, during his reign, the officers of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon come up against Jerusalem and besiege it. 
uh, Nebuchadnezzar himself arrived at the city during the siege. King Jehoiakim, along with the queen mother, his advisors, they all surrendered to the Babylonians. In the eighth year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, he took Jehoiakim prisoner, as the Lord had said beforehand, and then the, uh, the exile begins. King Nebuchadnezzar took all of Jerusalem captive. When we say all, we don't mean all, all. Like 10,000 of, of the best of the soldiers, uh, the craftsmen, the artisans, anybody who could help the economy, you know? Uh, anybody who was educated, anybody who could contribute something. But notice, you know, we don't count them, but they left the poorest people in, in the land. Isn't that interesting and terrible at the same time that, that there are people who just don't even count, you know? Um, but at any rate, this is the exile, and like I say, this sort of you know dispassionate way in which this is described. Nebuchadnezzar led King Jehoiakim away as captive to Babylon, along with the queen mother's wives officials. He exiled seven thousand of his best troops. Again, exile means they just scatter them; that they they try to scatter them to erase their identity and to more or less uh, erase any possibility that enough of them would get back together and. And, and try to take back power. Um, so after Je Jehoiakim, we have Mattaniah, whose name is changed to Zedekiah. Zedekiah is, is evil. He is evil, but notice how at the very last verse here, he rebels against the king of Babylon. You know, so chapter 25, the final chapter tomorrow, uh, we'll see the temple destroyed and, and everything uh, uh, finished uh, when it comes to the kings of Israel and Judah. Um, I, f I just find it really devastating. Again, really, really sad. Verse 4 in our reading today uh, is troubling to me. Uh, they had filled Jerusalem with innocent blood, and the Lord would not forgive this. Now, you just read this, and you think, well, my goodness, you know, what, what's up with the Lord? I thought he was always quick to forgive, and he is. Yes, he is, but you got to repent, you know? And again, that's why you have to read Jeremiah, read Isaiah. I mean, Jeremiah continues to say, man, if, if you, you could repent now, and some of this might turn back. You know, you could repent now. I mean, Jeremiah is preaching repentance, but they don't repent. You know, they, they just don't repent. Uh, and it's the saddest and strangest thing how they could watch their whole life fall apart, but so stubbornly refuse to turn to the Lord, you know? And I say that that sounds impossible, and yet have you not done that yourself? I've done that myself. I watch it happen all the time, you know? People whose lives are completely, you know, dissolving around them, you know? And yet they still refuse to, to, to recognize that they're on the wrong path. They refuse to recognize that God is right and they are wrong. They refuse to realign their lives with God's purposes. Uh, make no mistake, what the prophets do is not so much tell the future as connect the dots. They connect a straight line between your behavior and God's judgment. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to do that. You know, God just says, if you you know, if, if you follow me with obedience, you'll have success. But if you disobey me, you know, if you disobey me, then uh, then you will incur my wrath, you know. And the prophets continue to remind the people that there's no mocking God, you know. Yeah, one way or the other, you're going to uh, obey and receive his blessings or disobey and live on the other side of him. And that's the side you don't want to be on. Uh, but here we are, the fall of Jerusalem tomorrow in 2 Kings chapter 25, verses 1 to 30. So listen, let's go have Tuesday. Have a good one. I love you guys so much. Stay in the word. We'll finish up 2 Kings tomorrow, and we'll talk about what comes next, all right? So I'll see you in the morning, Lord willing, 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. Have a great day.